what's up everything the st louis blues have played three games since we last spoke and the one thing we can now say without question is that the st louis blues have played three games since we last spoke the team continues to be up and down and injuries are mounting faster than a blackout rules through texas but we won in overtime tonight which means we're in a good mood so let's get started and let's go blues Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. This Two Guys One Cup podcast, which is about mm-hmm. hockey. If you've tuned in for any more sultry topics, we'll catch you on another podcast. It is <laughs> people who don't know no. that running joke are so confused right now. No one knows. Thursday, Even if you've listened, you don't know. It is Thursday, February eighteenth, and I've realized, Ian, that I need to do a better job of getting these episodes up right away because people start listening to them. Several days after, and I always date it in the right in the beginning of the podcast. So I'm going to do a better job, he says, as you listen to this on Monday, February twenty second, uh, and uh, we're here to talk about boys hockey. Ian, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Today is my mom's birthday, oh, her sixtieth birthday. February twenty second is my mom's. Really? Birthday. February 9th is my brother's birthday. February nineteenth tomorrow. Bet we have done this on the podcast three other times. <laughs> My fiance's birthday is not her birthday. Her mom's birthday is tomorrow. Wow. See, everyone's mom's well, and your brother. If you're listening to this podcast and your mom wasn't born in February, are you even a real human being? You better want to check make sure that's, that's right. your real mom. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it checks out. Uh, Ian, you know, we just we just got done watching about half of the Elisa Lamb series after the Blues game. Well, not watching it in intermissions and stuff not all after uh what do you think what do you what's your read what's your read on that folks spoiler alert it doesn't end well for elisa leo <laughs> it's called crime scene so you know ian what's your read how'd she end up up there? <laughs> she end up uh, not great um you know don't 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 stay at hotels that are like lower than i'm gonna say like four stars on a five star rating scale yeah, like yeah. really no thanks don't stay any place in la that's off of a area called skid row <laughs> don't i'm not just la i'll i'll broaden Anywhere. that out if you have a place in tempe arizona named skid row don't go there either if, yeah, it's if a... there was a skid row in st louis the st louis that we know Stephen, yeah. what would it be oh boy because there's probably like a hundred of them you yeah. know and places we've <laughs> never probably. been in st louis I don't know. I think it's the River de Pair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How many bodies do you think are in the River oh, de Pair? <laughs> so many. That... But they're easy to find. There's no water. We've talked about the River de Pair enough that I think we need a spinoff River de Pair podcast. Oh, yeah. Two guys. No river. <laughs> no <laughs> go, river. No river. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, we're here to talk about the Blues game uh, that just ended, as well as the Blues games that were longer ago than that. And uh, I don't know, Ian, if you shared these notes with me. Did you share these notes with oh, me? Oh, I shared them. <laughs> oh, it's episode 163, so baby. So he claims. Um, but yeah, the boys have been up and down. They've been uh, all around. And they started against the Arizona Coyotes. We can't... Of course. We played Arizona There's forever. only one other team. Yeah. I learned tonight there's a second team, a new team that's been introduced into our... Our two-team conference. We're now in a three-team conference. <laughs> it's a throuple. Um, it's a throuple. I can't wait to see what else the NHL the, pulls out of their ass. Uh, yeah. Um, it's a throuple with the San Jose Sharks. I forget who we even played see, tonight. The <laughs> Teal how... Dogs. I call them the Teal Dogs because, uh, you know, the Arizona Coyotes. We, that's all we know. That's all right. we know are canines. Ian, I'm going to be real honest with you. I do not have these notes. I shared <laughs> I it with you. I believe you made this up. You're even an editor. Would you, would you share it one more? Well, see, see, let me show you. Let me show you. This, folks, a little inside it's baseball. True. It's true. It's true. He's not lying. I'm right there, but I cannot find him. So I'm going to look in my trash. How do I send uh, this to you? You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? Drop it on the old Slack channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I hate myself. Our 
podcast exclusive Slack channel that we paid for for the two of us. Yeah, we pay a lot of money to use the Slack channel. And Ian hates it, which makes it more more upsetting. I pay, I pay for more of it. That's right. Ian does pay for more than the lion's share of it. So, you know, uh, it's uh, it's all good. We'll get, the, we'll get the notes open and then the notes will be open. I'll tell you what I think happened to Elisa. Right oh, now. no. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But uh, it's not great. It's not a, not a happy ending to that story. And here they are right here on Slack. And now the notes are open and we're all good. Uh, so the boys played the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday, February 13th. Not quite Valentine's mm. Day. Probably this all the Saints feast for some schmuck, like Saint Miro of you know Vladislav or someplace. <laughs> Suck it. Saint. One of the lesser saints. The, the patron state. The patron saint of Turkey. <laughs> you know the fried ones you get at the. Oh, uh, but then he's a great saint. Well, that's true. Good point. Good point. Uh, the uh, game started with the news that uh, Jaden Schwartz was mysteriously day-to-day with a lower body injury. He has yet to return to the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the first game where Ivan Barbashev played up. I believe so, yes. With Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, a, a line pairing that worked surprisingly Until well. Until it didn't. Ivan Barbashev, he's a real utility player, that guy. You know, play up and down the lineup. And they don't just mean up and down like the third and fourth pairing. He go all the way to the top. He's a real uh, Oscar Sunquist. Yeah, very much. <laughs> we, we needed an Oscar Sunquist on this team, and we got Oscar Sunquist, and then we also had Ivan Barbashev. Uh, and then, you know, you got your Hoffman, Shin, Kairou. That's a little new, too. Hoffman with uh, Shin and Kairou hasn't been the case all the time. Sanford, Sunquist, Austin, Pagansky in this game. Mm-hmm. And then your Clifford, Delarose, McCarrickin. McCarrickin? McCarrickin. Uh, come from Franken lineup a little bit. A little bit yeah, of Franken lineup. Yeah, a little bit of, like, you know, two fourth lines sort of kind. I have nothing against Austin Pagansky, but you'd think he'd slot in a fourth line role. But that dude has... Alas thighs of steel i will tell you that i don't know why i know that i just remember that being a thing when he was on the rampage which don't exist anymore but um believe you unsurprisingly connor garland got the scoring started here on on billy huso who here's a tip billy if for your professional nhl career save the first shot too that one's they don't get there's not a warm-up shot there well there are that's in the warm-ups yeah. though that's when the warm-up shots are before opening puck drive. yeah isn't i mean doesn't he hasn't he pretty consistently allowed one very early whether or not he was good or yeah i think at least one of his other starts i think he allowed a goal on the first shot yeah. at least in the first two or three um yeah he's we can talk about it a little bit later but he's a little bit of a slow starter yeah yeah, which is, you know, he ended up, I, I wrote him off entirely after that one, and he ended up being all right in this game. So, not going to take, not going to beat him up too much. Kyle Clifford got his goalie back, as Kyle Clifford does. What a stand-up gentleman. Mm-hmm. If you told me that 15 games into the season, Kyle Clifford had had three goals, that would have felt like too much. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, Jacob Delarose on the assist. Clifford posted up under the right circle and wristed one home. Like a goal scorer. That was a beautiful goal yeah. for um, Kyle Clifford, you know? I'm not trying to demean Kyle he Clifford. He knows what he's he supposed to himself. do. Yeah. He knows what he's supposed to do. And Zach Sanford, who very occasionally, pretty rarely, honestly, knows what he's supposed <laughs> to do, scored a goal uh, with Barbashev and Krug assisting. And it was very similar to the Clifford goal. Good to uh, see Sanford score a point. Mm-hmm. and do things how do you feel about zach sanford right now what's your overall read on the sanford this is the same as it's been for like three fucking years <laughs> i'm sorry your question seemed very genuine i'm like I'm, uh zach sanford two goals uh <laughs> some number of assists this year Oh, it hit me. There's a second wave to that one. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. You know what? That's absolutely right. There's no, there's nothing to feel about Zach Sanford. I want to feel strongly about him, but again, you have to like string together something, right? Because mm-hmm. even if he has a strong season, like he, he did last year, he had a, a fairly strong season by Zach Sanford standards, and I was still left with like, well, let's see it a second I'm, season. I'm sure this happens all the time, where a guy. This guy legit, it's probably, you know, Anthony Mantha, I, not the same, I would rather have Mantha, 
but like probably similar where it's like this is a dude that legitimately has the potential to be a top six mm-hmm. scoring winger putting up 20 to 25 goals a year no problem and he just can't access that consistently he just can't turn it on permanently mm. and so your joking response to my question is completely appropriate because what do you feel about Zach Stanford? You feel nothing because you know he's not going to be on this team forever and then he's going to play for a few more teams and be the same inconsistent guy and then you're going to be like, what happened to Zach Stanford? And it's like, oh, he's coaching at Boston College now and that'll be the whole story. He gives me, not necessarily in performance, but just in feel, like very... um... Magnus PRV mm-hmm. vibes where mm-hmm. like he's a much better player than Magnus PRV at least for the Blues and all I can ever think is like kind of like you said you'll just be here for way longer than I think and then you'll kind of disappear yeah, to some other team surprised. and I'll be like huh it'll be like a surprise but also not at all when he's finally traded you know mm-hmm. or cut or whatever I mean PRV was just waived right yeah again he's fine like he, he's a it's an insult, I guess, but it's like he's just a very serviceable body. Yeah. But that's really not something you can be when you want to be a top six player. I, well, I look at, I compare him to Ivan Barbashev, mm-hmm. topically in this game. Zach Sanford absolutely could be the better player than Ivan Barbashev. Mm-hmm. No question that he's got the higher skill ceiling. But I would take Ivan Barbashev in my lineup every day of the week because I just know that Barbashev is going to be there and he's going to show up and he's going to battle hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if if I'm getting inconsistency anyway, I'd rather have the inconsistency of result and not the inconsistency of input, which I feel like is what Zach Sanford's problem is. Yeah. You know, Zach Sanford doesn't score four goals every game, obviously, but he doesn't score... 20 goals on average every, you know, stretch of his career because he just doesn't consistently have it or mm-hmm. put in the effort or whatever. And so maybe, you know what, maybe he deserved to get his brain beat in by Ron. <laughs> 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 um, you know what, uh, this was all after he scored a goal, so good job, yeah, Zach. <laughs> Great job. Barry Hayton scores a goal. Uh, early in the second period to tie the scoring. And <laughs> Clayton Keller, who has a preposterous amount of points against his hometown team that nobody else. I think we literally are the team he scored most against, which is troubling because we're not in his division. Uh, well, we hadn't historically been. Maybe he scored like seven of them in this series. Probably did. Uh, Jacob Chitron also... Uh, with an assist there, but then Ivan Barbashev mentioned before, here he is scoring his second of the season, Ryan O'Reilly and Piran assisting. Um, O'Reilly tried to knock it in tight. Ranta slapped it away as anti-Ranta is supposed to do because he's anti-Rantas. Mm-hmm. He's not pro-Rantas. If he was pro-Ranta, it'd be no problem. He'd be giving him Rantas all the time, but he's anti-Ranta. And uh, Barbashev collected the rebound and knocked it home. How do you feel about Ivan Barbashev? <laughs> much better. Yeah. It's just the expectations. Um, man, sometimes I do think about Ivan Barbashev and I think about the fact that we drafted him the same year as Fabry, right? Yeah. And <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and obviously, like, we all know the story about Robbie Fabry, but it was just kind of like, I was always thinking, oh, Robbie Fabry will be the guy and Ivan Barbashev will kind of be like, you know, your mucker grinder guy. And while he is still sort of that role, I'm just surprised how everything has turned out. I'm always like, oh, Ivan Barbashev. Of the two of you, I remember however many years ago, six years ago, being like, ah, it's Robbie Fabry all the way, and Ivan Barbashev's a consolation prize for very early in the second round mm-hmm. or whatever it was, and then it was like, oh no, Ivan Barbashev's here to stay, has won a cup. I mean, I guess Fabry did too, but it was just like, I forgot that they were drafted <laughs> You remember how Robbie Fabry scored a goal in the game we went to, the one game of that mm-hmm. playoff run that we went to? Crazy. Uh, yeah, Ivan Barbashev, I know you've mentioned him in the past. Is like, that's the type of guy that Seattle would take. And mm-hmm. I feel like if they did, I would have like an outsized negative reaction. I would, be, yeah. I would be a real Josh Levo leaving Steve Dangles. Oh, yeah. I would like, definitely overreact. Uh, because he just, he just is that guy. You plug him in wherever he is and he plays fine, you know? And sometimes fine will get you there. He's been extremely consistent ever since being uh, called last out. Last year's, last year's, last year's Ivan Barbashev. Yeah, he had, a de- he had a really great debut, like, couple games. Uh-huh. And then the next year, he was nowhere to be found. And then 
after, after. Doug trashed Barbashev to Vince Dunn. <laughs> don't be. That's incredible. That's like the most savage story. I've you don't ever. hear. You just don't I hear just that hockey. I just Barbashev was in the freaking corner. Right what behind him. <laughs> just point at him and stare him directly in the eye. Don't be last year's Ivan Barbashev. <laughs> And really, Vince Dunn has been last year's, last year's, last year's Ivan Barbashev this year. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Vince did not take that no, advice to heart. No, he did not. Uh, Nick Schmaltz scored a goal. Yawn. Uh, this guy's name is actually Dryden Hunt. Dryden Hunt. Dryden Hunt. There is, man, <laughs> there are people in hockey where their name is just like... I come from wealth. You could literally name them Moneybags McGee. <laughs> it wouldn't be any more obvious that they are from an upper crust suburb of Toronto and that they have not missed a single silver spork meal, silver spoon meal. That's the expression in their entire lifetime. Let's find out where Dryden Hunt is from. Uh, okay, you gotta Shaker give me, Heights. <laughs> you can give me the province. It's gotta be Ontario, uh, okay. right? right? Let's find out. Yeah, better yeah, not yeah. be American. Uh, British Columbia. Oh. Oh, this, I don't know nothing about oh, this suburb, know. but it sounds like I come from money. You ready for yeah. it? Cranbrook. Oh, that's a rich suburb. Let's look up more about Cranbrook, British Columbia. <laughs> Folks, are you enjoying being on live Wikipedia free fall on this podcast? I hope you are. Cranbrook is a city in southeast British Columbia located on the west side of the Kootenay River at its confluence with the St. Mary's River. It is the largest urban center in the region known as the East Kootenay. <laughs> You're made up country, Canada. What's wrong with you people? Oh, what's wrong with you people? Oh boy. Okay, it's the home of the Canadian Museum of Rail Travel. Uh, <laughs> demographics. Woo! All right. Uh, what's see. What's where's the big number on here? How many white big... people you got? <laughs> That's the big number. It's true. Eighty-six point one percent European Canadian, um, and the the next biggest group are all Aboriginal groups. I guess Canadian huh. Aboriginal groups. Oh, let's. I don't. I don't know if they have a. They don't have a like. How rich is the suburb section? That really upsets. How filthy rich is this? Um, let's see who else is from there. Ray Allison. I don't know any of these. Glenn Cochran, Juggernaut, the professional wrestler. I don't know him. Um, He's the Juggernaut. That's right. Uh, and that's the only words in that sentence. Uh-huh. So yeah. Anyway, I'm assuming there's a very rich suburb. Steve, <laughs> Steve Eiserman's from there, and its sister city is Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So you know, that's... is that rich? Oh, is that yeah. rich? Okay. I mean, as rich as it gets in Idaho, I guess. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows things about Coeur d'Alene? Secondary Mormon bucks. That's right. Uh, so anyway, Dryden Hunt is, this is the last you'll ever hear his name. He will play six games in the NHL. And this was one, and he scored a goal. Good for you. You can be in a future Ken Reed book. Uh, Jordan Cairo scores his sixth. Uh, he's very good. Mike Hoffman on fire right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the assist here. Uh, what'd you think of this one? There's, there are classic Jordan Cairo goals now. Mm-hmm. Because this is just a classic Jordan Kyrie goal. Just speed in the zone, two on one. He's not passing. He's looking to shoot. Beats Ranta, I think, just under the glove. It's it's beautiful. Is Jordan Kyrie our best pure goal scorer when Vladimir Tarasenko's not on the ice? I guess. I mean, well, I guess Hoffman you got Mike Hoffman at this point. But yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, those two, really, those two are like the goal scorers. Although Brain Chen, I think, might be leading the team. But yeah, but he's there's not some like empty a netters. I mean, he's great. He's got he the back does, special. He does what he has to do. He gets his body in the right place. He knocks in the rebound on tonight's tying goal. Mm-hmm. He's great. I'm not besmirching Brain Chen. But if I'm looking for one, somebody to snipe one home, I'm picking either of Hoffman or yeah, Kyrie yeah. before I pick Shen for sure. Uh, and speaking of Hoffman, in overtime, um, goal scorer's goal. Hoffman has, you know, nailed shooting from the same spot over and over. Hmm. And he just hits the pipe. And, well, I don't know if he technically hit the pipe, but he just fires it over the shoulder and it's in. And 
The Blues win less than two minutes into overtime. 36 to 35. The shot totals very even game. Corsi four pretty even. High danger chances even. Expected goals pretty even. Uh, an even game. Probably probably the most fun game of this series. Maybe in some some respects. Uh, Billy Huso end up you know ends up allowing four goals on uh, thirty six shots, which isn't great, but not terrible. And he looked really good. I was before. like, he also kept them in this game. Yeah, Holy for crap. sure, for sure. He and made he looked, some Brodeur saves. He looked especially good before the third period. Um, so you know, uh, I don't know. I would, what is your read on Billy Huso? Since he's not going to play again in this series, we'll talk about him here um, or in these games that we talk about tonight i mean i need him to start stronger yeah i don't really. but, i just uh, don't it's still hard to make it's he's kind of uh emblematic of like the whole team it's just kind of hard to get a read because he's really good in certain portions obviously he's really crappy early on i don't know if that's just a new to the you know new to the league thing or if it's something that i don't know i'd love to hear if someone with an organization that's watched him is like oh yeah that's a thing we're well aware of mm-hmm. and we you know just part of his game that we're trying to coach out him a little bit but i don't know it's interesting because he has a very calm demeanor i get a lot of goalies are kind of out there and weird so they're always look a little vacant mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but, you know who so congratulations just... billy you use you look more vacant than most <laughs> yeah. i just feel like when he lets goals in i he doesn't seem shaken by it in the uh-huh. least which i guess is a good thing i mean Makes me feel good when he lets in the first one and it looks like, well, that's not going to make him crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad to see him get this win, too, because like you said, even though he allowed four goals on, on 36 shots, it's he still made some spectacular saves and he kept him in this game. It could have been like whatever it was. It could have been like 6-4, to 7-4, four, four, whatever it was, because they had some really, some really good chances in tight. And I thought he looked, on average, looked good overall. Um but yeah, it's still one of those things where I don't know how many more starts he gets this season. Probably plenty, yeah. but I just like I just wonder if we will feel comfortable by the end of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if we go into next year. We'll talk about Bennington later on, but if we go into next year with just the same goalies and that's the thing, or what's gonna happen? You mm-hmm. know, so. One more game against Arizona, and it'll be quick. Uh, Quayton <laughs> Keller scores uh, his first or his fifth goal of the season uh, in the middle of the second period on a very game. Jordan Bennington, very game, is a good uh, a good sports description of someone who lost. It's all you never say a very very game opponent that then won the game. Uh, Ian, would you like to read this note you made? On the- I don't know if I can make those noises. <laughs> I just hate it because every time Keller scores, they'll be like, hey, that guy's from St. Louis or Chesterfield or whatever. And they're always like, hey, there he is again. And I heard his name like a thousand times. he's got like 15 points in 18 games against the Blues or something. (laughs) Just verbal diarrhea. And that was it. That was the only goal that was scored in this game. The Blues offense looked uh, much like verbal diarrhea, except they were on ice. Not good the officiating was uh suspect in this game i think craig Berube wasn't really thrilled with it what did you think yeah about that? there was definitely a, a moment where uh, i don't even can't remember who the opposing player was but uh maybe it was ekman larson that like basically hogtied Paganski and dragged him down to the ice oh, and there was just nothing on that and maybe i'm not a ref some and i'm not on the ice so maybe it's a weird angle and it's, it was all stick on stick but it definitely looked like a complete interference call that they botched. They also had a weird one where O'Reilly... Was weird on both ways. Though. Well, Is O'Reilly... where O'Reilly had two penalties? Yeah, well, O'Reilly got positioned on somebody, and then that person essentially dragged him down, and then oh, they were like... got interference. Yeah, O'Reilly got interference. Yeah, it felt like there were some ones, though, that the Coyotes didn't get to either. Oh, no, I mean, it was pretty like, shitty both ways. Yeah, and I think ultimately, and this is, you know, a point that you make in the notes... Uh, you got to score goals to win. So you can bitch about the refs all you want, but when you get shut out, it's yeah. a little bit harder to... I saw people saying, like... you can't like, be like, well, if we'd gotten two more power plays, we'd definitely have scored. Yeah, not, this, yeah, not this team, not this power play. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw people kind of moaning a little bit that the Bennington goal was kind of a weak one. And it was, but also he only allowed one. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's pretty much a wash for do, me. Yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't great, but... 
Yeah. This was this looked. Um, you know, you know, we're kind of hoping to get that kind of game seven feel where both teams are like, ah, I hate this team. We got to win this series. And you definitely got the feel more of a two teams that have played seven games against each other and we're just freaking desperate like, to I don't play want, anybody else. I don't want this. Uh, <laughs> the Keller Schmaltz uh, Garland line just destroyed us. Mm-hmm. 20 points mm-hmm. in seven games. Insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you make the note here. I don't think the Blues looked awful in this game. They just didn't have the finish. Yeah, I thought they looked pretty good, actually, overall. It's just they, they didn't get a lot of shots on that. I mean, 24 is all right, but uh-huh. when the other team's only got 19, you'd like to think you can make that an even bigger delta. Um, Ooh, look at that smart insider yeah. man turn <laughs> Yeah, I do, I do advanced dance. That's right. Uh, I don't know. They Yeah, they just couldn't get on the inside. When I looked at the shot chart, it just nothing from the inside. Mm-hmm. They had high danger chances. I don't know from where. Um from the blue line because we're dangerous places. there <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah it was overall it was just kind of a, a bland game i mean obviously yeah. one nothing's gonna be bland but even like we said we didn't have a lot of great scoring chances so you're just kind of blah through the whole thing um two things it like, was also in the afternoon oh, which yeah. is weird the coyotes President's day isn't like why is oh it that's right like, i was like President's afternoon? day in columbus day i mean it was a snowstorm so that was cool but like yeah it was all all weird Oh man, yeah. The point that they have to keep mentioning the weather in these broadcasts or paying, they got to be like, it might be a blizzard back home, but it's nice in the desert. Yeah, like, like, we're oh. home, so I don't care. Can I be honest? Every time they pump the pump the uh, tires on Arizona, and I visited oh. twice, like at, into Phoenix and blah, blah blah, looks really cool place to visit. Yeah, but they'll talk about like you talk about living there. But that, uh-uh. You ran into uh-uh. uh, WWE's Dolph Ziggler. And yeah. <laughs> I saw that dude there. I took a grainy-ass picture of him. Because yeah. I was afraid he was going to give me the zigzag. <laughs> you don't want that. That would uh-uh. be bad. Uh, speaking of people that aren't going to be living in Arizona for much longer, the Arizona Coyotes mm. are a hot, hot disaster. Um you know, I thought about getting a guy from Arizona to talk about this on the podcast this week, uh, and I didn't make it happen. If people want that, let us know. We'll have more interviews. We'll do whatever you want. Um, Gun Norad will do it. But, yeah, I mean, Bill Armstrong, I don't know. That if he, whole organization. He, he certainly didn't step into the best situation. True. Um and, you know, I'm trying to look for these tweets from Katie Strang. Um, but just, a, I don't know, man. Katie Strang is obviously a phenomenal reporter. And um, the Coyotes are just a hot mess. And they are blaming her. They're accusing her of basically using faulty reporting or faulty sources, I guess, that have a, a grudge against the team to... Uh, kind of, you know, blow out their reputation. And it just, it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels like a team that's circling the drain. There's a lot of weird statements that were defending the Coyotes' ownership. Uh, Some guy named Morello, isn't that it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Tom Morello. Tom Morello, yeah. Wee, wee, wee. Um, That's how Tom Morello sounds, if you couldn't tell. It was, I don't know, it was just the whole story. You can read more. She's got a long, long article on The Athletic about it. Um, but yeah, man, it's, I, I don't know, it's like, get that team out of there. If they're going to be like, if if Arizona, Ottawa is at least in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. If Arizona is going to be the next UG Melnick, you got to kill it. It's got to be done, you know? There's not enough, there's just not enough interest <laughs> yeah. in Arizona to keep that ship afloat if you're going to have a Eugene Melnick down there. Uh, McDonald's can't survive in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, basically it seemed like Arizona's ownership and the organization as a whole was pissed at like Strang's story on the athletic about some of their just like shady practices or like some of the, just some of the financial issues they've had. And then the ownership group and their affiliates were super pissed because they basically thought that she was going after them specifically when when everyone's been hit with you know covid issues and financial financial problems uh in the last year or so 
And so they were really angry at her. And then they kind of made it slightly personal. I don't know if it was Bill Armstrong or somebody in particular. I don't know if you have the quote, but. I've got the statement. I don't oh, have, okay. I think the quote you're mentioning was Bill Armstrong. Yeah, it was right? basically saying something along the lines of like, they just thought she was, wasn't conducting herself professionally. Yeah. And all this other stuff. And I just, I don't know. It came off as really. I don't know, it just came off as gross because it seems like no one's had anything bad to say about Katie Strang in her reporting. And I think it's just, honestly, I think it's an ownership group that got into something that they didn't really have their heads wrapped around completely. Which now, is the <laughs> Yeah, which, now they're in deep shit and now someone's reporting on it and they're like, how could they? We, we came in here and rescued your poor coyotes and now you're going to tell us that we're bad? How could this be or whatever? Yeah. And I get Bill Armstrong's new... He's got to defend his, his organization and everything, but to make it a little more personal and be like, hey, I don't really even think this lady knows what she's doing when it comes to reporting, you know, um, and like she's taking, she's trying to go after us and it's headhunting and that's unprofessional. It's just like, man, I, I highly doubt it. Um, I yeah, could here's be wrong. The, here's the statement real quick. Well, it won't be real quick, but it's long. Uh, we are very disappointed that The Athletic for several months has condoned a harassment campaign against Mr. Alex Marullo, the Arizona Coyotes, the Marullo Group, and dozens of current employees and former employees. We question the potential reliance by The Athletic on disgruntled ex-employees who have proven to be untrustworthy and lacking in candor or confidential non-public information. Is that John Chaka, by the way? Mmm. Yes, it's John Chaka. I want to bet the house on it. Uh, and on vendors <laughs> with whom the club secured negotiation ne- negotiated settlements to undo years of financial mismanagement under previous prior ownership and club leadership. At a time when teams and leagues across sports are facing an unprecedented economic downturn, we are concerned that The Athletic has chosen to single out Mr. Marullo and the Arizona Coyotes about their financial operations. We are very disappointed that The Athletic has chosen to overlook the massive investment that Mr. Marullo has made during an economic downturn into the hockey operations department of the Coyotes, from hiring a Stanley Cup winning general manager, that's phrased generously, in Bill Armstrong, and a full staff of top-tier hockey personnel to being the first owner in franchise history to spend to the cap, uh, which is not true. They're spending to the cap on, like, you know, bad contracts, (laughs) but they're not spending to the cap. Uh, To implementing a cutting-edge sports performance science program to investing in player personnel in order to secure a playoff berth for the second straight year under his ownership. Integrity, honor, and professionalism have been restored to the Coyotes hockey operations, replacing a deceptive and dysfunctional department undeserving of the great fans of Arizona. Additionally, the the Athletic has completely disregarded the commitment from Mr. Marullo has made to positions... To position the Coyotes as a well-respected community leader, as a recognized benefactor of youth hockey, and as a champion of diversity, equality, and inclusion, which is exactly uh, what you showed by drafting that guy who shoved people's heads in toilets, right, Arizona? (laughs) Uh, Mr. Marullo has demonstrated a 40-year track record of success in multiple industries and business enterprises. In addition to being an owner in the National Hockey League, Mr. Marullo's financial strength and business acumen is underscored by the fact that he holds a banking license regulated by the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, the Federal Reserve Bank, and the California Department of Business Oversight, a radio and television license regulated by the Federal Communications Commission, and a gaming license from the Nevada State Gaming Commission. Mr. Murillo is in very good standing with the National Hockey League and with each and every one of the regulatory bodies that touch the Murillo Group family of companies, as we will be exploring all of our legal options in response to the athletic we will not have any further comment. How could you? You've said You've everything. Said all the words that could possibly be said. Yeah, I just. Yikes, man! It weird to like let weird to be so defensive. Yeah, that's what I mean. So defensive. Uh, it's like uh, it seems to be overcompensating for a little bit of something. I, oh boy, I don't like that at all. I feel so bad if you're a Coyotes fan, just because it's just nonstop. Uh, falling apart of your team publicly all over the place all the time. Uh, the fact that they also had the employees sign like these weird agreements to like not disclose anything, and I forget there was some NHL insider that told uh, El- or Elliot Friedman or somebody that like this is the first time they'd heard of that period within like an NHL organization. I was like, dude, what are you like trying to fucking hide? What weird yeah. shit is going on? It's just like I don't know. I mean, they don't fit 
They never fit. They're Uncle Gary's weird science project in the desert. I don't wish it on the fan of the Arizona Coyotes uh, that, you know, they get booted out of there. But it's just like, man, it just feels like they... They can't be a disgrace and the Arizona Coyotes. You can be one or the other, but you can't be both. And it looks like they're gunning for both right now. So uh, let's talk about a team that's not the Arizona Coyotes. What? The San Jose Sharks. I don't. I think we. I miswrote. <laughs> I didn't write these notes All correctly. Other teams? Yeah, exactly. I believe we played Arizona. Came here and we played them. That's right. But uh, they did wear different jerseys, so that was nice. Of them. Yeah, a fond farewell. Eh. A farewell to the Arizona Coyotes. I'm telling you, we're going to end up seeing them in the playoffs. Oh, a seven-game series. Hope, I hope. Well, it won't be seven games. They'll uh, beat us in Yeah, five. it'll be a quick five. <laughs> yeah. uh, the St. Louis Blues versus the San Jose Sharks on tonight. At least the tonight we're recording. Again, who knows when I put it up. Could be next week. <laughs> uh, Pareko. Colton Pareko is out. This caused quite the scuttlebutt on a uh, hockey Twitter, Blues Twitter. Um What's going on? Let's yeah. let's uh, let's go to the return of our long-awaited segment. Yes. Uh, the IR report with Ian Peters. The IR report with IP. <laughs> you know, uh, because uh, that, you know. that long-running segment needs some workshopping, <laughs> <laughs> and it always has. Um, I got it. That's well. Ooh, it was close. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, again, two guys, one cup. Another, another podcast. One of our affiliates. Um, Colton Pareko. Colton Pareko's got like COVID part two or something. Yeah, I mean, messed up I don't that know. Jr. Jeremy Rutherford, our beloved Jeremy Rutherford, went on one hundred and one ESPN. <laughs> Jeremy, don't ever leave. Yeah, please. Um, he went on 101 ESPN and he talked about how it made sense that they were keeping Preco out and that this was an injury that he had that he couldn't um, recover from if he practiced all the time. So they kept him to practice a lot, but they still played him. And then they said, well, it's not really an injury that he needs surgery on by any means. But then Rutherford was like, but I understand that it's, it's something substantial, and he goes, and I'm well, I'm pretty aware of that. It's substantial, you know. It's something that they got to keep an eye on, but it, also no surgery needed. And uh, yep, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? What what weird upper body or lower body? And now we can't. We don't even get any body. Middle body. Antibodies. That's, <laughs> That's what he needs. <laughs> um, it's very odd. He's probably one of the people that had COVID back in the bubble. They then said today on the yeah, broadcast. Yeah, specifically emphasized that it wasn't yeah, in the bubble. Yeah, it's not something in the bubble. the bubble. Just means you can catch COVID again like 90 days later. It's been 90 days. You know, you can have COVID again. Um, or had some, you know, in the preseason or prior to all that in the summer. But it's just very odd um, what he's going through. Everyone's very happy that uh, Baruby decided not to play him anymore and they're letting him recover and yes that's a good idea my question is why did it take this long to then to then bench him or keep him from playing i get he's one of our top four defensemen he's our top uh, right hand defenseman supposedly um i get you gotta try and play him as much as you can but if he looked like crap and he has looked like crap you know more or less for the last like two or three games I, I guess my problem is for everyone that's patting themselves on the back and going, oh, well, this just makes complete sense. You got to get them. You got to get them healed. It's like it made complete sense a week ago. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, I mean, I obviously I hope he's well and gets well. And we need all our bodies. A long, great NHL career ahead of him. But at the same time, it's like this is very weird. And I at some point. I mean, it's his business, right? He if they don't if he doesn't want it to close, disclose, fine. But like at some point, this whole we're just gonna put a fog of uncertainty around mm-hmm. 
these injuries, it just becomes freaking tiresome. This is a 24-7 news age. People are communicating all the time. You can tell them the real thing, or they're going to speculate wildly about fake mm. things, you know? And also, if it's a COVID thing, like, what are the, what are the ducks going to do when he returns in two months? Target his lungs? <laughs> you know? Like, it's, ugh. anyway, I hate the NHL sometimes. I do hope Colton Pareko's all right. Mm. But, um, yeah, I just hate some of that unnecessary mystery. Uh, ta- uh, Taylor, Tory Krug had been questionable after last game he left early and didn't return, but he's back and he made a big impact tonight. Um, and Marcus Scandella returned. Sammy Boy returned in this one. Uh, did he return in this one? Yeah. I, think. I yeah. mean, I know it was in this one. It was a game time decision. Um, and yeah, entering this game, the Blues play their next 13 of their next 15 games against the Sharks or Ducks, and I believe the other two are against the Kings. So it's a good time to beef up on some of them points before you end the season with a lot of Minnesota, Colorado, and Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so far they're 4-1-1, one, and one, I guess now 5-1-1 one, and one against those teams. In the first period, Mike Hoffman scores a Mike Hoffman goal with Mike Hoffman's stick. He's real good. I am warming up on Mike Hoffman. He's warming I gotta say, up. I haven't seen as many defensive lapses, and I've seen a lot more goal scoring, and I'm down <laughs> with both of those. Oscar Sundquist and David Perron get the assist on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, what you feeling good about Hoffy? Mm-hmm. Hoffy, Hoffy, Hoffman? I mean, this is now, he gets a point later on, I believe. Oh, yeah. So this, oh, yeah. I think this is 12 points in 16 Mike, games now. That's pretty good. Mike Hoffman seems to make stuff happen more yeah. than other boys players, too. You know, he can create more out of nothing. In the second period, two Sharks players scores, scored that do not exist. Noah Greger is the first one. He got another assist from Milos. And then again, <laughs> uh, they got a guy named Milos, and I'm going with it. Um and uh, then John Leonard, who John Kelly would not shut up about scoring his first NHL goal the night before, scored his second NHL goal because sometimes there is such a thing as what, Ian? Tempting fate. And they <laughs> tempted fate, and they did it, and John Leonard scored what looked like it could be a winning goal against uh, Jordan Bennington. Not a lot he could have done on the first one, certainly. This one kind of went five-hole, and you're like, Maybe, maybe you get down and save that. Mm. But when you allow two goals on 32 shots, you can't exactly be like furious about it. The Blues looked rough in the third period. Ivan Barbashev was mm. hurt, which didn't help. We were down to 11 forwards, and five of those should only barely be starting an NHL game to begin with. Um, Austin Paganski will be on the first line next game. <laughs> Um, but, uh, they pulled it out because Mike Hoffman is very good at making stuff happen, particularly in the six on five. They got a late penalty, couldn't do anything with that. Uh, but in the final minute with the goalie pulled, Mike Hoffman put the puck on net, went off the not highly competent Martin Jones, um, and, uh, you know, there's nothing. It was it was in an awkward place for him. He couldn't do anything with the rebound. It dropped right to Shin, who had a wide-open net, and he knocked it in. And then it's 2-2. Two to two. Uh, I put up a poll. I said, how many of you people believe that was coming? <laughs> it was 50-50, yes or nah. And the 50% of people that said yes are lying. Nobody, no, you're not, I'm sorry. You're a Blues fan, great. But this team looked lifeless. And yeah. this goal kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and, but I'm glad it did, obviously. And then in overtime, the Blues had complete control. Uh, looked great. It was very different from that boring uh, overtime that uh, we played against the Sharks not too long ago. Well, yeah, years ago, mm. before the Coyotes <laughs> epic. Before the epic of Gilgamesh that was the Coyotes series. Uh, but, you know, the Blues get a, a kind of eh, penalty. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, against... Patrick Marlowe lifts O'Reilly's stick, yeah. and I think he just lifted his stick only, but it, it got close <laughs> to his hands, yeah. and so the refs called it. And then... Everyone give it up for America's favorite fighting prisoner! David Perron uh, scores the equalizer, the winning goal, the game-winning goal. Uh, after a beautiful assist from Tory Krug, Perron slides it in. Um, 
And the goalie's five hole. And David Prom once again this season, like a freaking point per game player right mm-hmm. now. Uh, with three points in this one, assists on both goals. 12 goals, six assists. So, yeah, I think literally a point per game, right? Because mm-hmm. um, we're at 18, I believe. Maybe 17, maybe even better. Um, and that's it. The boys, the boys eke it out and win. Look, they deserve to win this one. 45 of the shots. Corsi four advantage. Um, you know, expected goals disadvantage at even strength. But hey, also two power play goals mm. in a game. Did I hear those are the first time this yeah. whole season? It's not good. Power play, real bad problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our penalty kills gotten great if, after looking a little suspect there for a while. It's fine now. But our power play is still last I checked before this game, obviously, so it will have improved. Like 26th in the league at 12%. Um, and it was even worse than the Coyotes series. It was only like 8% against the Coyotes. Not good. I mean, I know that's like obvious, but that's a major thing. If you get that up to 20%, this is a much different team. Ooh, we're at, tw- we're at 23rd. 23rd in the league now in power play. Woohoo! Oh, we're improving. Hey, man. better than 28th. That's right. Where are we on here? We are... Ba-ba-ba. Thought we were better. Hey, we're twenty fourth in the PK. Hey, it's getting there. Look, we're raising hey, we're raising them both know, up at the same time. That's right. We're getting closer and closer to mediocre. What can you do? The blues, um, the injuries are really pounding, piling up for this team. Obviously, you came into the season with Tarasenko injured. Robert Thomas had the long injury in the uh, Arizona series. Um, Jaden Schwartz, we don't really know exactly what his deal is or how long he'll be out. Tyler Bozak's injury uh, seems to be pretty long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, Baruby made comments today that he's nowhere close, essentially, to returning. Uh, Pareko's injury now seems to be pretty long-term. Um, I looked, by the way, again at that Mark Stone hit. Yeah. Gross. Just, yeah, just Filthy nasty, man. gross. I don't know how he didn't get anything for that. Um, did he even get a penalty at the moment? Yeah, he got a okay. penalty. But and that's a, oh my god, the amount of like times I've seen it might have just been one or two Vegas fans, but in like Blues fans mentions where all of a sudden on Twitter they're like, oh well, they did you know they'd be like, how could they not have called anything? Or Blues fans are like, what the fuck is this? And these Vegas fans will say like, well they did call something, they yeah. called a penalty, and that was his punishment. He did get punished. You don't yeah. understand. I was like, oh come on, man. Yeah, man, get out of here. Um. And now Barbashev's out, uh, you know, really, really piling up quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they said like 54 man games lost so far for the yeah. Blues. Which is ironically, the Blues are the only team who have not officially placed a player on the COVID-19 list. The only North American or the only American team. Mm-hmm. Canada can suck it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so we've been spared on that front, but on the other front, not very good mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it's you're gonna be tested this is what your taxi squad's for scott perunovich though also out for the season so you don't get to see him um you know it might be might be time to think about acquiring one of these bodies that gets waived or mm-hmm. you know a small trade piece here or there because you could just use a couple more forwards. Why can't we have Alex Galchen yet? There, there we go. He's got he's gotten traded like six times this week. We might as well go get him. But you know, like I just I wouldn't be so shocked to see us claim somebody mm-hmm. um, that's just a you know kind of a, a lineup filler that we can put in a blues sweater and have him play a few games. I want Corey Perry. There we go. Do you really though? No, I don't. Not at all. I didn't think so. I'd rather just dress one less skater. That's right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just have to monitor that. Maybe a few guys will be back by next week and it won't seem so bad. Uh, but certainly concerning. Let's talk about something that has not been concerning, though, so far this season. And that's Jordan Bennington, mm-hmm. who has been downright fantastic. That's right. Um, he's just been very good this season, uh, you know, and, and has looked, I think, after the bubble... I don't, I don't think I ever thought he was going to be, like, a bad goalie. But I was starting to worry, like, is he going to be really a reliable goalie? Is he going to be a Cam Ward? Or is he more of a Cam Ward? Um, and I think this season he's pretty much proved, like, he's a reliable NHL starter. Mm-hmm. If he's not in the truly elite tier, he's probably in the tier right below that mm-hmm. of just very good 
as dependable as a starter can realistically be expected to be sort of territory. Um, and Jeremy Rutherford wrote a, wrote a piece about his uh, upcoming contract negotiations. Why don't you talk about this a little bit since you did this research? Yeah. This requisite research. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did the research and Jeremy just helped. That's um, right. <laughs> I mean, I took a little few clips because I think this was one of the interesting storylines that I don't think was being talked about a lot this offseason. Just that this was Jeremy Pennington's final year in his two-year contract and then he was nice enough or we were nice enough or they were both nice enough to make it just two years at 4.5 million which seemed very reasonable because mm. you just didn't know if he was lightning in a bottle or not and it seems like he's disproving that and so uh Rutherford put together some some stats from the last couple of years on Bennington just to give you an idea of like the company he's in and everything so in the last since was say Dream Bennington's NHL ranks since uh 2019 2020 so his starts are 62 starts that's sixth ranked sixth in the league uh wins 37 wins so fourth in the league since 2019 2020 goals against average 2.53 which puts him second for goalies at 55 plus starts his save percentage is 0.913 which is fourth in the league for goalies with 55 plus starts mm -hmm. uh the company Bennington's in he's his starts which is sixth like we said is only behind Hellebuck Price Anderson uh Frederick Anderson that is Andre Andre Vasilevsky and John Gibson and wins he's only fourth behind Vasilevsky uh Hellebuck and Anderson goals against average only behind Vasilevsky and then save percentage only behind the same folks, Hellebuck, Vasilevsky, and then Vancouver, Calgary's Jacob Markstrom. And so you see that he's, I mean, he's top five, top four, arguably, in a lot of these categories over the course of the last two seasons. Those are the two seasons that he's had this contract on, and it's just, it goes to show you that he is an, he is an elite company, really. And I know it's a small sample size, but it's the sample size you have to use. That's yeah. all you got for him. So, as Rutherford writes, industry sources say the AAV on Bennington's next contract could be between 5.5 and 6.5 million, and the term could be between five and seven years. Among goalies who have signed last season, the top comparables are Markstrom, 31, who agreed to a six-year, 36 million deal, six million dollars AAV, and Vegas's Robin Leonard, who's 29, who agreed to a five-year, 25 million dollar deal. So Bennington will likely want more than Markstrom and Leonard got, and even more than possibly Matt Murray got in Ottawa. Younger even than Bennington as uh, Murray at 26, and uh, he had a history of postseason success. Murray got a four-year, $25 million deal for 6.25 AAV from Ottawa this offseason. Uh, he's 2.71 this season with a 3.69 goals against average and a .882 save percentage, Rutherford notes. So... Uh, it can backfire, but also <laughs> to be fair, Murray already he's kind of sucked yeah. before that. Um, so Bennington bet on himself and he's going to get paid like one of those guys expects to get paid and he will get paid like the guys that have had success. Armstrong says, I think around the league, he's looked as good as a number one and that's how we'll treat him. Uh, I mean, I think that's a big comment from yeah. Armstrong. Yeah, for sure. I think I get the feeling people are gonna bitch a lot about whatever his number. Oh, ends up being. yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing: paying for goalies always feels more risky than playing paying for other players, because goalies are crazier, you know, and just random crap happens with them. Mm -hmm. But the alternative, with due respect, and I really don't, I'm not trying to dagger him, but the alternative is how we felt with Jake Allen. Mm -hmm. And you can pay Jake Allen $4 million a year, but you can also live with the highs and lows of Jake Allen, you know? And, like, I, if, man, I would give Bennington the 6x6 six six that Markstrom got in a cocaine heartbeat. I'd sign that so fast. He's four years younger than Markstrom. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. He's signing this. He's pretty young for a goalie to be signing that big money contract. Um, I feel like, you know, he'll be, he's mm -hmm. 27. He'll be 28 this summer when he signs it. Six years, you take him to 34, fine. You know, like, I I don't know. It's just like, I feel like the Blues throughout their entire history have had really good goalies that leave very soon. Mm -hmm. And then they've put up for too long with really mediocre goalies. <laughs> um, and it just feels like, listen, Petrangelo walked. Um, 
you don't know Tarasenko's health long-term. Pareko's long-term health is, seems to be now weirdly in question. I don't know. Like, hopefully it's not that kind of a long-term thing, but there's a lot of weirdness around it. And that, mm. you know, certainly is disconcerting. You got to give some people money. and yeah. <laughs> Well, if you're going to swing and miss on anybody... Let it be your cup-winning goaltender, yeah. and then you can at least point to, well, we gave him a lot of money because he had two good seasons after that, and he won us yeah, the cup, and, also, and like, I can nod along to that. Six or 6.5 or whatever isn't that much money. I mean, I realize the cap's flat, mm-hmm. but like, you're not paying him like Vasilevsky or price money. You're paying him very good like some forward money. That's like second line, dependable, you know, not second mm-hmm. line, but like not elite first line forward money. That's fine and to get a guy that you know can win a cup mm-hmm. you know has the mental fortitude to get you there you know him he's in your room you understand it like i don't know i just goalies are enough voodoo and witchcraft that like as much as it seems risky to lock anyone up if you've got one that's working for you lock that one up because bringing in anybody else is way more of a craft shoot you yeah, know, than yeah. paying for the guy that you know that you have. That's the thing is, like, you know there's always going to be weird fans. They're like, well, we can't pay him over what he's already making now. Well, you're going to have to. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna, bye-bye Bennington. Yeah, <laughs> so you're going to pay him over $4.5 What's the value difference in paying him two, essentially what we'll guess is like $2 million more to keep the guy? Then, like you said, yeah, it's say, ah, oh, we're going to penny pinch, save that $2 million, pay another random ass goalie probably you know even less and have him be crappy have him be um have him be hutton or whatever you know just be like ah this guy that's a mucker and grinder and he won us some games and i feel so good only paying him three million dollars a year uh but also he sucks you know as far Mm. as goalies go he's inconsistent he sucks no you just want bennington could crap out and fall apart you know jonathan quick was amazing for three, four years, and now he's just kind of a dude. Um, that yeah. happens. I get it. But like I said, if you want to, if there's ever a safe time to spend, quote-unquote, too much money on somebody, now is the time only because of who you're dealing with, your cup-winning goaltender, who up but, until this point has shown you that he's good enough. Also, I think like with Jonathan Quick and to a lesser extent Matt Murray, some of those guys, Frederick Anderson, like these are guys that got rode hard for like a long time <laughs> yeah. from, from when they were very young. And not saying that uh, Bennington didn't have a lot of work in the AHL or whatever, but like he still got a relatively minor NHL workload compared to some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you look at next year's UFA goalies, Tuka Rask, Okay. What Bring them in. Like what? You give them like two years, eight million, you know, seven million per, eight million per. But that's not a long-term solution. If mm-hmm. you lose Bennington, that could be like your short-term solution. Um, Frederick Anderson's already fallen apart and unreliable. Um, Devin Dubnik. Auntie Ranta is 32. So like he's, I think he'll probably, somebody will pay him to be a starter next year. Mm-hmm. But is it, do you want it to be you at 32 oh, no. and take that chance? That's the thing. It's like, it's like if you're, if you're not signing Bennington, you're signing somebody that you know isn't as good yeah, just exactly. to save money. Exactly. And that's an option. And if, if the, if I felt like the boys were really like pressed up against yeah. it financially, I'd have more sympathy for that. But like, if they do that, then I'm going to want them to spend that money elsewhere. And unless there's a really obvious plan for where that goes or what they should do with it, I'm just not that interested. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if know? for some reason you let Bennington walk, especially over just, like, money reasons that you really shouldn't have come this offseason, this team, in, you we know, in particular, like, now I just feel like you're throwing in the towel. Like, yeah. I don't know what that message is supposed to be to fans. to be like, we had a cup winning goalie, but he just asked for too much money. <laughs> yeah. So bye-bye. I, I, I guess he could. I guess he could just not budge on $7.5 but he's not gonna. I'm gonna guess he's not gonna. But I will be honest with you, though. I do think that he's the type of person, and I don't know what his representation is like, that he's not gonna budge when he says, I want over six. Oh, he'll straight walk out. I don't have any question that he yeah. he won't re- he won't take a discount, mm. but that's fine. But that's pay a, him what he deserves. And that's the thing is like different players, different different scenarios. I get that, but like reading this quote from Armstrong and then seeing what has transpired this past summer or past off season with Petrangelo, uh-huh. it just feels like night and day. I get two different dudes, different 
different players, different uh, positions, all that stuff. But it just like this did not seem like a oh we'll talk about it we'll figure it out we'll we'll reach back yeah. out as organ you know and we're, we hope to get something done. It was it. him just saying it was just Armstrong saying yeah he's a number one he's gonna get paid like a number one. Yeah, I could see it happening fairly soon because mm-hmm. I don't I mean I I do believe Bennington yeah would take it to free agency if he got what he wanted mm-hmm. or if he didn't get what he wanted but I also don't like. I think the guy, he's he's aloof and kind of a D-bag, but, like, <laughs> I think he recognizes the legacy he could have here and, like, the central... Don't you, be Petro. You know, like, well, like, seriously, like, I, I think he realizes now that he's, like, the face of that cup run mm-hmm. and, like, can just have a, a really great career here and be a hero here pretty much forever. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think if he gets the money he wants, it's not like he's going to be really tempted to go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. So I could see it happening. Also, the Blues, I know this is this sounds stupid, but they have 1,400 people coming a game. I don't know how those tickets are decided or distributed, but if you're selling those for, like, 20 bucks a pop, that's still, like... Thirty thousand dollars, twenty eight, twenty five, somewhere in there that other teams aren't making, and I know that's like not anything in the grand scheme of running a hockey team, but it's not nothing if you do that twenty times a year or whatever, you know. So like, I don't think that's you know just in the broader picture, I don't think the Blues are really hurting, especially the way probably some other NHL teams mm-hmm. are. You remember they had the Cup run which makes you a lot of money. <laughs> and Tom Stoneman bought this team very cheap, and it is much, much more valuable than that right now. So mm. I'm sure that they have, you know, they are tightening the purse strings where they can, but they're not going to let their star Hall of Fame, or Hall of Fame, Stanley Cup goalie walk out the door just as a cost-saving measure. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. When you look at that, when you look at Schwartz, again, like... I don't know. The other day, like a week or two ago, I tweeted, man, I bet like I could see a Jaden Schwartz extension just happening. Just mm-hmm. one of those things Armstrong just like drops on you, you know, slightly before the trade deadline or whatever. But again, now he's hurt again. And I'm just like, <sighs> I don't know what his injury is or how it happened or how long he's out. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I just feel icky about. <laughs> that that's a guy I feel more concerned about giving six years to mm. is a guy that can never stay on the ice for more than a couple of weeks. You know, I so, love Jaden Schwartz, but I feel like, and I know that's not how these things work, but I feel like you just got to point at a computer screen and be like, "Bro, we think you're great, but also like we cannot pay for like." good production we can't pay like over seven million dollars for like a body of work that is good production at best and he's much more valuable than that but if that that'd be my argument in trying to keep a number down yeah if you can keep if you can get him for under seven what's i don't even know what he makes now five something five three five if you can get him for under seven then i don't really i don't really care what the number is in terms of years i think that's a pretty good value for that guy if he wants over seven I think he's. I think he means more to this team. Under seven, over six makes me a little. Well, nervous. well he's not going. You're not keeping him for anything less than. I'm than just six. saying. I'm not sure. I want. But that's to fine. Keep no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. You know? But like, I mean, I think they will. I think it's way, way more likely he stays than that he leaves. But he's also a guy where it's like you can find a is, replacement for him. It's just I. I don't know. Part of me feels like the Blues just go, eh, and they'll plug somebody well, else in there. Yeah, but I also feel like, is he a guy that other teams' fan bases are freaking clamoring for anymore? Like, there may have been a time, but I almost wonder if he hits the open market and it's more of a, like, oh, there's not as much demand for me as I assumed. Mm. I don't know. Maybe there is. Uh, I don't necessarily want him out, but I'm just a little more nervous about him. The Blues have tons of money to play with. Uh, in the offseason, Gunnarsson's gone. Bennington. You allegedly. Know, Bozak will be gone. Yeah, allegedly. Uh, Bennington's contract is, you know, recycling. Steen is off the books officially. Um, they have $22 million going into next season. And you're not going to pay more than, like, 13 14 combined for Schwartz and uh, Bennington, if you, even if you re-sign them both. So... Mm. You know, you could still do Hoffman if you wanted to or whatever. Um, but it'd be interesting. I don't know. It's like, this season's so weird that I am still kind of excited to just start next season <laughs> and have real, real hockey. 
<laughs> you know, but look, I want real hockey. Yeah. Man. Don't be fans. last year's last year's hockey. Give me fuel. Give me fire. Give me that which I desire. Uh, any other hockey stories you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, no, the rest of the league is dried up to me. Uh, it is. It's like doesn't exist. It's kind of sad. Uh, Elliot Friedman keeps talking about like I feel so disconnected from this American teams, and I'm like. Man, you just sound like a D-bag. And then I'm like, wait, no, that's actually true. I feel kind of connected to the Canadian teams because of all the like different hockey podcasts I listen to that are uh-huh, based in Canada. True. Yeah. But like, I have I, I have no clue what's going on. They'll be like, it's Carolina versus Detroit tonight. And I'm like, is that, is one of you good? <laughs> yeah. Is one of you bad? Um, and then same with like the, the East coast teams too. It's just like, okay, I feel like we'll get to the playoff portion where they start mixing these teams together. I'm like, Whoa, I didn't know that the, I mean, I do know this actually, but like that the Florida Panthers were any good. And Mm -hmm. so they made it to the final four weird, fucking weird. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Michael Russo. (laughs) <laughs> tweeted effective pp <laughs> got them two minutes closer to a win and that makes me happy so with that we hope that you all are having very effective pps tonight <laughs> and uh if you want to know more about effective pps you check out our other, uh, our other two guys uh, podcast across the street there in the nsfw section <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Now I know relationships, my enemy. So stay away from me. I'm winning. Try to fill the void with every man you meet Cause you're upset with me I'm wanting you Cause all the night